0: Welcome to the Grief James Podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. Uh, Thanks for tuning in with us. Thanks for listening, uh, however you're doing it, downloading it, streaming it. Thanks for checking in. And yeah, it's another beautiful day to podcast. On today's episode, we have a return guest and her name is Penny Hunt and she is an author, columnist, speaker. And she came on uh, episode 102, and that was January 2019. And uh, so we are just uh, released that episode again, so you guys can uh, check out the last one and get a refresher if you've listened to it before or just listen to it for the first time. And it's a really enjoyable episode. had a great time with Penny. She's amazing. Uh, to mo- know more about her journey through her multiple losses, humans and pets, and her grief dreams. Uh, she just released her new book, Love Your Life No Matter What, 76 Tips to Journey Through Grief and Loss. This is uh, Penny Hunt. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be back.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been a little while, right? So it's about just over two years.
2: Um, so what's, what's new with you? What's going on these days?
1: You know, like all of us, the pandemic has slowed our worlds down. But what I did during that time was write my second book, which my publisher pushed me to do because she knew I wanted to write a grief and loss book and had kind of drugged my feet about it, but she kept telling me this is the perfect time. And I totally agree. There's so much loss and grieving going on in our world right now because of the pandemic and so many things that we feel like we've lost in life because of it and being in lockdown and staying home. And so that's what I've been doing. And another thing that happened since we spoke I've been picked up by several newspapers, so now I'm officially a columnist. I've got some that one that runs me every week, my columns, some every other week, some sporadically. So that has really kept me busy writing. You know, I'm a speaker as well, so the speaking has come to a total stop because everybody all the conferences stopped and so there was no keynote speaking opportunities in the last year. So the writing has really kept me busy.
2: Oh, that's nice. And it's great that you're still able to have new opportunities present itself to you because you're right, like being a speaker and having the pandemic happen, it really, really slows your world down and also sort of income and, and all that. So, you know, to be able to do something else like write a book, I know it takes a lot of time and energy to be able to do that. And we'll we'll get into that, I guess now. So when you're writing the book, like, so how did you go about it? I'm I'm guessing you mimicked it after your other book which was tips to love life with love and gratitude cuz they mm-hmm. they there's there's similar sizes and there's seven, 76 tips for both
1: <laughs> yes and it probably won't be a surprise there's going to be one more so there's going to be a trilogy of these books and then I'm going to go what I call writing big books but um i did you know my first book i wrote as i said in the first podcast Because I'd been through a lot, um, including the loss of my son. And people would ask me, how are you getting out of bed, alone, and and you're happy? So I started speaking and teaching the tips and techniques that I taught myself to stay vertical. And that was what I put in the first book. And I knew I wanted to write a book about grief because so much of my work, um, I work a lot with hospice. I teach grief writing workshops for hospice. Um, and for other organizations for the National Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation and places I teach these grief writing workshops. So I knew I wanted to do a grief book. It just took me a while to get my head wrapped around that. And then I decided, well, I'll do tips that can be a little bit different than the first book geared towards people who have struggled with grief and loss. And there's even sections in it, it. It's not just about Losing a loved one, but it's losing a job or a divorce or many other things that I include in this book towards the end so that's what pushed me to do it and um, Kept me busy and really My dad passed away in 2005 my son in 2007 and my mom has since passed since I spoke to you and so I had a lot of and, and in a lot more a bigger list than that of my grief experiences, but I had a lot of things that I remember going through and have gone through and still go through because of grief. It's a lifelong process, I think. And my goal was that people could pick up this book and not feel alone, that no matter how crazy they think they are, they're not. And in fact, that's what people have said to me about this book. Boy, you just lay it all out there. And I said, well, people get it. People understand and at first i was worried it would make them sad and my daughter said you know people that are reading a grief book in a big part are already sad you're not going to make them sadder you know they're just going to feel like they that you understand
0: you know i really enjoyed enjoy this book i think it's amazing i think it's a a great thing for grievers and uh, people again who who are suffering and going through some stuff cuz it's not heavy heavy like it's not a, it's not a thick book that you really have to spend a lot of time getting into it's something you can kind of pick up uh, when you're when you're feeling it and really gain some great insight, wisdom. And, and also it's an enjoyable read like you uh, you write in in a very poetic way as well, which I really appreciate. And, uh, you know, each each little, you know, you can look at the table of contents and see what what speaks to you. I know we talked in the last episode about symbols. And things like that so today i was like uh was flipping pages and and i hit on one about um i think the fire alarm at your son's funeral mm-hmm. and i was like yeah that's that's exactly how uh you know penny hunt uh thinks <laughs> <That sounds amazing.
1: laughs> it's exactly it is yeah. exactly how but it's uh-huh.
0: uh it's it's i think uh something that people can gain value from and also like i think if you're especially going through some sad times or rough times. I think after reading, you know, even just one or two pages, you 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 feel better, I think, after.
1: Oh, good. Well, thank you for that. I made it very clear in the beginning, you know, that I'm not a counselor or a medical professional, that this is, I just consider myself a expert on my own grief and I share what I've learned. Uh, and I wanted that point made very clear so that people didn't think, well, I am trying to diagnose them or, you know, help them on a medical level. But I think. When I have gone through different times of grief, I tried to go through some grief groups and things, and maybe I just didn't find the right ones. But people standing there telling me the stages of grief and things, I could read that on my own. What I really wanted for me was what I wrote in this book to people to tell me that they've gone through some crazy things and felt like they were alone, and they're not. So that's what I wanted to put in this book.
0: Yeah. And and that's, that's a great point. And it it kind of brings us all together. I think, uh, you know, the more people I talk to, the more I realize that a lot of people, almost every person I've talked to has some sort of unexplainable event happen to them or unexplainable thing that uh, for some reason brings them more joy after or just helps them in some way. Sometimes they they don't even understand it. But I think, uh, you know, If someone was to read through some of these pages, they might feel more uh, in tune or at least more um, a part of the world like everybody else. And rather than just feel like they're alone dealing with or seeing some sort of crazy thing happen.
1: I agree. And I think people are scared to talk about it. And so when they can find somebody that lays it out there and will say, hey, has this ever happened to you? Because I know when the fire alarm and a lot of things, I always say I get messages from my dad and my son, and I was scared to share those things. But when I pose it, throw it out there and say, you know, is anything, let me just tell you what happened today. Is anything like this ever happened? And then the stories come out like, oh, I didn't think this was happening to anybody but me. And so I think that's a, a wonderful thing to share. Um So the fear and letting people know that they're not alone and it's safe to talk about. What I also learned was, and I wrote about this in the book, that I had a good friend that lost both of her parents within three months, years and years ago. And I called and said I was sorry and sent flowers and, you know, did the protocol you're supposed to do. And it wasn't until my dad passed away that I realized how horrible it is to go through that and grieve your parent and she had done it within three months for both of them and I remember calling her and saying I was I was not a good enough friend to you during that time and I didn't know but now I do so I think you have to cut people slack that don't get it and don't understand that grief isn't just over in a week or as soon as the funeral's over your grief doesn't stop because if they have not experienced it they don't understand and they don't know and all grief is different. I'm, I'm grieving my parents was very different than grieving my son and my pet that I read about. And so it's all different. Nobody's is exactly the same. And um, once you go through it, you understand that everybody travels that journey in their own way, in their own time, and they should be allowed to do that.
2: Yeah. I love how honest you are in the book about your own life. And you you give a lot of examples that, that you, you speak on, which is nice because it allows people to not only bring into get into your own world, but to also normalize that experience because someone else is talking about it or dealing with it or so just being honest with where, where they are in their grief and what they've had to learn through oh. that process. And so when you look at the book, when you're writing the book, was it awkward at all to be so honest about your own life and the experiences that you have?
1: You know, I learned that 13, 14 years ago when I started my blog and I talk about that the first time we chatted is the first blog that I posted out there, I was scared to death that somebody was going to actually read it. And so I have learned to get over that. I have also, especially writing for a newspaper every week too, I get emails every week, you know, people saying, oh, that just hit home with me and I hear their whole story, which is a wonderful honor for me. But I really got over that because I know, especially I know, if I cry when I'm writing it, that people are going to cry when they read it, and that means it's touched somebody's heart, and that means we have a common experience that we can share. And um, in the same way, if I laugh, if it's something funny that I think or make fun of myself, I know they're going to laugh at me too. And and again, it we it's something that we share. So I actually, when I feel uncomfortable writing it and cry and and um, right from my gut and my heart, I know that's probably going to be the best. So it's taken a long time to learn that and be brave enough to just put it out there and say, you know, this is how I feel. The other beauty of it is it's my story. So, you know, people can agree with me or not agree with me on certain points, but they can't disagree with me on my own story. And I'm just giving examples. This happened to me. And if this happens to you, maybe you can try this. So that's why I write from my heart and you know my whole mission statement is to help others. So my hope is always that my writing helps someone.
2: No, I I hope it does too. And what I like about the book even more so <laughs> than your honesty <laughs> is that you even put in some stuff about grief dreams, which I always love and you know it's really for me about you know how can we all raise awareness on a very valuable subject that most people just don't talk about and you put two aspects of dreams in there that Sean's going to read right
0: now. Oh yes. I'd love to read this. Thank you. All right. So signs and symbols. This is the um, section that it's in. It's uh, page 30. It's called dreams. I had a dream about dad last night. My mom said I was instantly intrigued. It had been several years since my dad died. It was like I woke up and he was sitting on the edge of my bed. He kept smiling at me and told me he was okay. He stayed a long while, just sitting there. It seemed like it was really him. I said, "Mom, you know, I don't believe that was a normal dream. I think Dad came to tell you not to worry about him." She thought a bit and replied, "It was a nice dream. Dreams about our loved ones seem extra clear, real, and at times carry a message." And for more information, visit GriefDreams.ca. It was beautiful that you, you know, you put our, our website
2: in. That was amazing to see. But you know, just more important, you, you talked about the subject. The other thing I saw is that, talk to your mom about that, which is really beautiful. And so it's nice. I'm not sure if she believes or not, if it was a visitation or not. <laughs> she said it was a nice dream. And, you know, we just don't know. So what did you feel when you heard that dream uh, from her?
1: Well, let me give you the background of that story. My mom had struggled with dementia um, for several years before she passed. And she passed in August of 19. And um, my dad passed in 2005. So, she had had several dreams that she would just kind of off the cuff mention to me. Now, my mom was a pretty stoic woman and didn't do things like her daughter does. She didn't meditate like I do or, you know, live in this kind of woo woo area that some people call it um, and believe in messages and things. So, when she would tell me, one dream like that happened really close after my dad passed away. And I said, Mom, you're so lucky. You know, he came to tell you he was okay. But her last summer of 2019, she was in and out of hospital and pretty ill, and her dementia had gotten worse. And so I spent a lot of time there with her. And not long, a couple weeks before she passed, she was just laying in bed one morning. And I went in to check on her and said, you know, are you going to get up? And she said, yeah, I was going to lay here for a minute. She said, you know, I just felt like dad was with me all night last night. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, he was just right here with me. And, you know, now in hindsight, she passed a couple weeks later. And, of course, what I believe is that he was telling her it was going to be okay to join him. But always when she would have these dreams, I would have the conversation with her about, you know, well, maybe it was a little bit more than a dream. And this was the first conversation I had with her about a dream. And she said it just like that. She said, She just looked at me and she would scrunch up her face like she wasn't exactly sure what I was talking about, but she'd say, well, it was a nice dream and just leave it at that. So I don't know what was really going on in her head if she was believing anything like I did or wondered about it or um, she wouldn't talk about it much, much. but I was so grateful that she would tell me or bring it up that she had had a dream about dad because quite frankly, I would get kind of jealous like, I want another dream about dad.
0: That's beautiful. And it's beautiful that you talked about it. You brought that out of of her because there's a lot of people like that who have parents or loved ones who don't quite maybe see it from that angle and maybe want to dismiss it or again, who are afraid to share it for fear of being uh, dismissed by someone else. And so you just, you know, you did your best and you provided a uh, uh, a quick you know question you provided the mystery and then you allowed her to step in if she wanted to which is, which is great right
1: and you know now since my books have come out and i've been writing my blog for so long and <clears throat> working with hospice i will um interesting for you guys i will get phone calls and text messages from friends and say hey i had this dream last night what do you think this means and many times it's about a loved one that has passed, or, you know, I will tell you during this pandemic time, and I'm sure this is not a surprise to you, dreams have really become different for people. And I don't, I've read a lot of things about, you know, maybe it's the fear that's going on in our world or such a big change and the seclusion and things that we feel that are making our dreams so um, much more colorful. And not just in color, but colorful in meaning and in length and in topic.
2: Yeah, there's some stuff like I've heard out there. and I guess it really depends on if we're talking about, you know, dreams of the deceased versus, you know, other dreams when they're not uh, part of the, the image. But yeah, it's, you know, I actually hear too just people dreaming in groups of people, right? Like those positive dreams. So a lot of people are maybe even going on vacation in their dreams. Like <laughs> they're, they're really, you know, being able to do the things that they can't do. In, in waking life. And I even heard too, with some of the dreams of the deceased that, you know, they may be occurring more frequently to help support us through this time by giving us that, that boost that we need during these times where, you know, we can get down on ourselves. We feel lonely feel unloved, especially that you can't really hug people as you would, or meet people as you would. It's very difficult to, to calm the, the thoughts in the mind and these dreams can really help people get back on track. So yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing on, you know, what, people are dreaming and and how it's affecting them. As you said, like your mom maybe didn't know what to believe it, but you know, you took it as something positive. So it actually helped comfort you. But yeah, even if people don't believe it's a visitation, that's cool. You know, like, as I say, like, if it feels, if it feels good and it helps you process and remember your loved one, I think that's great. And you know, you don't need to believe it's a visitation for it to have the effects it, it can have on you, which is to feel loved. And at the end of the day, like that's that's the key to, I think, more or less everything is, is that. And however you get there, you know, like you get there and then I can just sit with you in that space.
1: I totally agree. And you know what uh, you just made me think of about my own dreams. I had shared some of my grief dreams with you the, in the first pat- podcast. And now I've had several dreams um, in the last year or year and a half about my son and they're real quick. I mean, he pops in really quick. It's not a long detailed dream about, you know, him like my dad coming to my mom and staying with her all night to make her feel like, you know, comfort her. Mine in the last year or longer have been, you know, I'll have a dream about something else, but my son will just pop in there and Mm -hmm. he will be smiling and happy. And, you know, then he pops out. So it'll be something else going on in the dream, but he comes in there in and out pretty quickly. So maybe that goes along with what you just said about people are having dreams about their loved ones. Like, you know, it's a, maybe it's a strong shoulder to lean on during this time and they just pop into, you know, to your dreams to show that comfort. And I also agree with you. It's totally right. I always tell people I'm not here to get you to believe what I believe or not believe. That's your decision. But just the fact that you're having the dream and you feel good about it is the most important thing.
2: So I'm curious, have you had a dream of your mom since she died?
1: You know, I have had um, one dream of her. And it's like I said, I would get jealous of my mom that she was getting so many dreams with dad showing up in her dreams. And what I've learned is you can't really force these dreams that, you know, I had days where I would talk to her all day long and say, "Okay, I want to dream about mom. Come, come on, let's dream about you today. And nothing, so I, I think they come when you least expect them to be, and the wondering that I had about her, she wasn't eighty eight, she was young and vital and had her memory. she wasn't struggling with dementia and just happy. And again, it was just one of those happy dreams where she you just saw I just saw her there, she was in my life again, and I woke up just feeling good that I had experienced seeing her like that again.
2: Well, that's amazing that uh, you're having these different dreams to really just help you feel loved and see them again, and especially seeing them younger, right? Like, I always think that's interesting that they're not the age or they're not growing up as they would, right? When it comes to, you know, like older people anyways, Um, younger like kids and stuff, you can see that like them increasing in age, but you don't really see that with our parents that die.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also gives maybe listeners hope who have parents who are suffering, like, you know, your mom going through Alzheimer's or people who have strokes and aren't the same person. And to be able to see them in a dream as a younger and healthier version, I think that's that's very important to like, you know, give that hope to people.
1: I totally agree. And I think and that was what struck me so much. In fact, I called my brother and said, have you ever had a dream about Mom yet, because let me tell you about my dream last night, and she looked great and she was young. And I think when your parents struggle and my dad had an illness that he passed from, and um, his last few months were not enjoyable for him on any level or for us to watch it happen to him. And in the same way, my dad mentally was totally there, but his body gave out. And my mom was just the opposite. Her little body was just struck away, and it was her memory that, you know just, failed her. And so you see in both circumstances, you see your loved one disappear in different ways and it hurts. And and you wonder what kind of a life they're having. And and my mom, I think, was really ready to go. She had been alone without my dad for a lot of years. And so to see her in a dream, not struggling with memory issues, not struggling with any kind of health issues, to be young again and happy was really a gift.
2: That's beautiful. I'm glad you had that. I really am. And so has your brother had any dreams of your dad um, or your mom?
1: I think he has um, had, I don't know, details. I think, um, I'm not sure sure about mom. I think he did about dad way back when he first passed away. I don't know. Maybe you guys know more than me. If men are easier, if they're more willing to share or women, <laughs> you know, maybe it's just because I think <laughs> women probably share that more, but I'm not but- sure.
2: I think that's the question. I think they probably, they probably dream the same. Like I didn't find any differences in my data, but probably the willingness to share is, (laughs) is Uh, different.
1: (laughs) Again, I believe if you share first, if you disclose first, then they'll say they feel safer and like in a safe place, like you're not going to judge me and think I'm crazy if I tell you about my dream, since you've already told me about yours. You know, one of the things I thought of just as this morning, when I got up and knew we were going to do this podcast one of the things I talk about in the book is so many times it's easy to fall into that visualizing your loved one, like visualizing my dad in hospice the last couple of days when he was really ill and dying and visualizing my mom when the day I showed up to see her and she didn't know who I was. And it's really easy in, if it's an accident that kills your loved one to visualize the bad part, the ending, you know, and I always say, really the how and the why doesn't matter as much as what's important is that you're missing someone that you love but there's one thing in the book that i talk about and it's on 42 tip 42 and it talks about visualizing them happy and to me this is kind of like daydreaming about your person and so if you can stop yourself from visualizing the horror of the illness or the accident or whatever the circumstance was and visualize what made them happy, what what did they love to do, and you know what made their heart sing, and visualize that for them. And that helps, I think, our healing if we can try to concentrate more on visualizing them happy and not visualizing them ill and dying or sad or the circumstances. And so that kind of popped into my head this morning when I knew we were going to speak because I think we're talking about dreams and I think visualization in a lot of ways is a form of daydreaming, controlling your dream a little bit, but manipulating it to um, a space that is going to be beneficial to you and make you feel good about the loved one that you're missing.
2: Yeah. That's why I, I like these very positive dreams is because the last member they have usually is them suffering. They're deceased suffering in some way. And now their last memory is actually the dream of them happy and, you know, okay. And all that sort of stuff. And I think that there's a reason for that. There, there's something that it does for you within your grief. And that's the same thing what you're saying with those visualizations. It probably works to, to help in many ways to allow your grief to process rather than really focusing or getting stuck on that last moment of them suffering.
1: I think that's absolutely Exactly true. And the other piece of that is, um, many times it is like the last moment of suffering or getting the phone call of an accident or just something that's so shocking and you can't, and you replay that over and over and over again in your mind. And the other piece I think that happens so many times is that there was a rift or a battle of forgiveness that either they didn't forgive you for something you had done or you needed to forgive them or there was anger you know between you and ultimately you love them but that was the space you were in when they passed and living with that is is hard and so um, and there's a I think a couple of pieces in the book about you know take care of your forgiving now because you don't want to have to live with that if you know it was something you should have forgiven or And and when you forgive somebody else, I believe it's a gift to yourself to take that burden off of yourself. But you don't want to have that as a memory of I should have forgiven them or it's my fault or feeling guilty for something. And hopefully that would be a wonderful dream to have if that's a space that you were in so that your loved one and you hash that out and have a moment of forgiveness in a dream. That would be a wonderful thing.
2: Yeah, and you see that. You know, I see it often where people have that like guilt or regret, and they have these dreams to sort of help them through that. And, you know, that is so remarkable to be. But not everyone who has that will have those positive dreams. Some people have these negative dreams that reflect that. And so it's still a mystery on like why certain people have the positive dreams versus the negative dreams, even though they're both feeling regret or they're both feeling guilt in some way that, uh, that's something you know, we still need to do more research on. But you're right, there's there's a lot of beauty there. And I'm curious for you, so if you could have a dream tonight of someone who has died, uh, who, would, who would that be for you and what would that look like?
1: Well, you know, I would have a party because <laughs> there's a lot of people that I would like to see in a dream. But obviously both of my parents and my son and then I, I talked to you the last time about the baby boy that I lost and I speak about him in this book as well. And so, and, and my little dog that meant so much to me, it would just be great if they were all together and my dad and my son were fishing and there was a, I was originally from South Dakota and there was a park there that we all loved. And so that would be where it would be in um, this park and my dad and son would be fishing and my little dog playing and my mom sitting on the bench, you know, watching. And that would be a glorious dream to have, to have them all together like that and happy.
2: Did you want your father and son to catch a fish or a whale or what do you, what do you want them to catch? Save the
1: whales. Save the whales.
2: It's a dream. You can catch anything you want. A big heart of love. Yeah.
1: It's a little tiny creek that goes through that park. So I don't think it'll be a whale, but (laughs) my dad used to take both of my sons fishing. In fact, when he passed away, that was what my mom gave both of my sons was one of his pocket knives that he used to use for fishing and cutting line and things. And so it would probably be a little trout, it would be small, but they would still be excited. And in fact, one of my favorite pictures of my son, he had caught a fish and, you know, depending on how you hold the fish close to the camera and lean back, the fish can look a lot bigger than it really was. And he was kind of the master at that. But So yes, I would hope that they would catch a fish and it really wouldn't matter how big it was. They would both be excited.
2: That's interesting. So do you know how to fish, then, if your dad teaches your son?
1: Um, Well, you know what? I grew up, uh, we had a boat docked on the lake and I was more of a water skier. I skied um, a lot when I was young and did my share of fishing. In fact, when I was little, my dad had a small boat and he would take us. Um, trolling, you know, at night, where they put the trolling lines out to catch more than one fish at a time. And I had a brother and a sister, and they would put us up in the hull of the boat with blankets and tell us to go to sleep because it was dark and nighttime. And I still remember that rocking of the boat and the boat engine and going to sleep to that while my dad fished. So I am not a big fishing person today, but if I needed to fish, I could I know how to fish.
0: You know, and I think it, it's just apt to kind of close up with uh, your, your uh, page on fishing. Oh. It's called Go Fishing. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, let's, uh, I'm going to read this. So This is what he said as I locked eyes with my dying friend. Through his words and his determined stare, what I really heard was this. Wake up. This isn't about baiting a hook or holding a pole. This is about finding what you love, coming alive with joy and being happy. This is about living. He loved fishing. This was his worship and the river, his sanctuary. Fishing was where he found joy, peace, and contentment. He wanted this for me. I want it for you too. I want you to go fishing. Find the river in life that brings you joy, peace, and contentment. Swim in it, splash in it, and fish in it until you come alive. Beautiful.
1: Well, first of all, thank you for reading that one. And that was a very dear friend of mine that passed from um, brain cancer several years ago and i worked with him we were very close he was like another big brother for me and loved to fly fish it really was his worship and when i had an issue at work or something i'd call him and say can i come over i need to talk and he'd make terrible strong coffee and we'd (laughs) sit there and he'd give me advice but um when he was dying I would go visit him and we'd sit out on his porch in the sun and his wife would go run errands and things since I was there with him. And that day was such a magical day. And he just kept staring at me and he wasn't talking a lot at this time. And that's the conversation that I had. And, you know, sometimes I'm a little slow on the uptake, but he, I kept telling him, you know, I don't really like to fish. I'm not going to fish. And finally it just sunk in. He just sat there and stared at me and I realized what he was telling me that he had found fishing. He had found his love and his worship in his sanctuary. And that's what he wanted me to find.
0: That's really beautiful. I loved reading that. Uh, Well, thank you, Penny. It's been, uh, again, another amazing time talking with you. Really enjoyed it. Um, Where can people find your newest book and your previous one as well? And any other uh, handles you have?
1: Well, thank you for that as well. I, you can find me and everything on my website and If you spell my name correctly, it is P-E-N-N-I-E-H-U-N-T dot com is my website. My books are available there. They are also on Amazon. If you search Penny Hunt, Love Your Life on Amazon, you will find me there. I am on every social media and my handle is Penny Hunt Everywhere on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Twitter. And if you Google me, Penny Hunt, you will learn more about me than you ever wanted to know. My newspaper articles will come up. My blog will come up. um, My books will come up. So if you Penny Hunt and Google me or pennyhunt.com and you can find me and um, my blog is also on my website. And what you'll find is that a lot of my tips and my books are condensed snippets of my blog. So if you like the fishing one, if you go to my website and search that blog, you will find the whole story. So um, that's always fun for me to share too. So if there's something that you really loved in a book, you can go see the background. And I also have videos on YouTube and on my website about each blog that I write and why I wrote it and give you some backstory to it.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Penny. Again, I just loved doing this episode. Hope you enjoy this episode. If you want, you can check out more about the topic. Please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca. If you wanted to support the podcast you can contribute through the links on our website We would like to thank all those who contributed and continue to support us on the website you can also find our online courses by dr joshua black and jade carling black there are two courses a grief dreams workshop and crazy in love using romantic relationships as a vehicle for growth uh, the workshop the grief dreams workshop so this will help you gain the necessary skills to discuss the topics of grief dreams in a way that facilitates the processing of grief you will learn about the topics of sleep, dreams in general, grief and trauma, and of course, grief dreams. And uh, the second one, Crazy in Love, it's about it's a super organic course designed to make you rethink modern intimate relationships. And uh, they discuss how to use your own intimate relationship or lack thereof to passionately fuel your personal growth and build valuable skills that will last you a lifetime. If you have Facebook, you can follow our Grief Dreams podcast page to be notified of when we release new episodes And you can also join the Grief Dreams Facebook group and you can share your dreams or hear more dreams of others. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Grief Dreams. And as always, we like to end the podcast with love and gratitude from us to you.